I've actually been working on a few projects, and this is just the one that came to fruition first. And these were a bunch of songs I'd written a few years ago, and I'd, I always wanted to do a record that was uh, more atmospheric. It certainly had is one tone and atmosphere to it that just carried through, you know, those kind of records that you just put on. They have something um, almost comforting to them, you know. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. With me, as always, is my brother Travis. And today we are covering Beck's 2002 release, Sea Change. Um, Travis, I know you haven't really paid too much attention to this album. Um, you feel like you may have pressed play on track one and then just kind of gave up on it. I wouldn't say gave up. I, I just never got beyond track one because I like track one. I recognize track one. Was that yeah. was that a single? Maybe that's why I know it. No. no? So um, that was our intro as well. The song's called Golden Age. Um, and yeah, it's track one on the album. Um, so without diving into it too much here, Sea Change is Beck's breakup album, and there's just something special about this record, dude. Um, before we dive into the history and, and get way into it, uh, let's go ahead and do our What You Hurts. Um, this is where we share a song uh, from an artist that we either discovered or revisited over the last week in between recordings, uh, just a way to share some more music with you every week. So let's start with you, Trev. What you got for us this week, brother? What you heard? Okay, so uh, I first listened to the song when it came out as a single, um, but it's it's a little song by Modest Mouse. And uh, who's that? I think we all remember Modest Mouse from. Uh, I mean, I th- I would say their heyday was was back in the early O's, right? Right with. Um... Good news for people who like bad news. I think was the name of the album. And yeah, and that had, had the song uh, "Float On." Yeah, that's that's what skyrocketed. Yeah, him. yeah, and that was man. That was that was when you and I were in the thick of music, man. As far as like, yep, that was our that was a perfect age for us to to get into music. That was, um, you know, we were what seventeen, so like we yeah, were dude. in it, and this was the kind of stuff that we were. All about man, indie rock, alt yeah. rock. Um, yeah, by that time we were listening to our like we were discovering brands on our own and and getting into artists and, and music without any influence from our parents or our older brother. You know. Yeah, that's right. Um, did you know that Modest Mouse is from Washington? Yeah, they're from Ithaca. We'll say that again. Ithaca. Nope, man! I it's swear, Issa- dude. Because I, it's Issaquah. Okay, let me say something Issaquah, here real quick. Dude. Let me say something real quick here, dude. I'm looking at the word Issaquah right now, uh-huh. and I'm I see the two S's in there, Issaquah. Okay, but I swear, man. Anytime I've heard you pronounce it, I've heard you say it with like a th, Issaquah. No, dude. God damn. Never. All right. Well, I was just trying to pronounce it like I thought I've heard you say it because <laughs> you're from so, Washington. Um, Sarah actually works in Issaquah, dude. Did you know that? That's where she works. Yeah, I mean, I know I've, I've, I I know that name for a reason. But anyway, I, I think I feel like um, the lead singer Isaac Brock is his name. He has such a uh, unique like delivery to to the way he uh, he sings, and uh, you know, he's one of those those singers that like he's instantly recognizable. You know what I mean? Like you always know when you're hearing a Modest Mouse song, right? Yeah. And let's say for sure, like, the, there's no doubt we're going to do, uh, we'll probably do multiple full-length episodes on a Modest Mouse album, dude. There's, like, there's no way we're not going to. Yeah, sure. 
there's so many great albums from this band. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so what do you got for us? This is their their newest album and came out in 2015. The name of the album is called Strangers to Ourselves. The name of the song that we're going to play today is called The Ground Walks with Time in a Box. another solid modest mouse song i just man. love it man it just just the intensity that the song starts with man i love that and the lyrics man dude let me just read you some of these lyrics i love this shit he says um the world's an inventor with its work crawling running squirming around trees drop colorful fruits directly into our mouths the world's an inventor we're the dirtiest thing it's thought about and we really don't mind. Oh, that's great, man. And then down here, dude, uh, the verse four, the world composes with his shirt tails wrinkled hanging out. Bang us together, see what sort of sounds we make right now. The world plays music, playing skin on teeth inside of the mouth. What sort of sounds, what lovely sounds come about. I just love the imagery of the world composing with his shirt tails hanging out, you know, like one of those like crazy composers, you know. I just love the imagery. Yeah. I love the imagery. Yeah, and like the the first lyrics that you read. Yeah. You know, like the world the world provides all this stuff for us. Yeah, and we're the and we're the dirtiest thing that it's thought about. I love that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, man. Cool. Um and you know, I was gonna say, like I feel like Modest Mouse um recycles a lot of their uh melodies and stuff like that yeah but i'm not mad about it because you know their lyrics are just so great and yeah are you, you saying you know, are you saying you were you were reminded of some some of their stuff with that guitar riff a lot of it yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I can't place what song i'm thinking of because you know they've been around forever and they're so prolific yeah 
But I don't. I'm not mad about it. You know, it's probably it's Mouse. yeah. It's probably Isaac Brock's uh, guitar playing because he, yeah, you know, singer. He and also his melodies, his his lyrical, you know, yeah, like, the way that he, rhythm yeah, everything. the way that he phrases things and the way that he like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Cool. All right. So my what you heard for this week is going to get us into the headspace for Sea Change, uh, and this actually is an album that I listened to last week. Um, do you know the artist Bill Withers? I feel like I've heard the name familiar with him. Yeah, I've heard the name. I'm, I'm not familiar with his music though. So, uh, I got into him through uh, the TV series The Wire on HBO. I heard his song uh, "Use Me Up" on the first episode of The Wire. Um, that's the first time I heard one of his songs, and I fell in love with it. And um, I think I mentioned earlier, I am uh, subscribed to the vinyl subreddit. And dude, I'm telling you, I'm discovering really great albums through this subreddit. Um, you know, just vinyl junkies like ourselves, uh, you know, they share, hey, this is what I'm spending tonight or whatever. Um, and one of the albums that I that I, I saw on that subreddit it's called Just As I Am. It's Bill Withers' debut album. So this guy is a kind of smooth soul R&B singer. Um, again, this is his debut album. Uh, it's got the song Ain't No Sunshine. I know you've heard that, dude. Yeah. that's Bill Withers wrote that song, dude. That's that's Bill Withers. Ain't no sunshine. So he goes way way back then. Yeah, this is, came out in 1971. Okay. Um, yeah, so the song I'm playing today for my What You Heard, it is the first track on side B. It's called Hope She'll Be Happier, and I'll just let it speak for itself. Yeah, man, his uh, his vocals just sucker punch you almost, you know. It's fucking beautiful because like dude. the song is like this, you know, the the acoustic is very like soft and gentle, and then he just hits you, you know, right right off the rip, you know. And the lyrics are so pretty, man. Like I'm I'm not even gonna pull them up and read them word for word, but like you know, the whole idea, like obviously he's singing to someone that he was you know very close to or someone that he was in a relationship with. Things didn't work. They broke up. Um, I almost feel like it's it's like one of those things where, you know, and this is a trope in a lot of movies uh, where two people that, that, you know, split up, meet back up again after a few months or whatever and kind of check in with each other, see how they're doing. And he's like, you know, maybe it's because it's such a late hour of day. You know, I'm, I'm maybe maybe I'm coming across as a bit more bluer than I am. You know, like I'm, I'm doing okay. I promise. You know, I just, I hope that you're happier with him. You know, like I hope you're happier in this new relationship. Yeah, sure. It's, it's great, man. Such a beautiful song, um, and the album's great too, man. It, it's got a really, a, a lot of really great songs on here, dude. Again, this is uh, Bill Withers' debut album from 1971. It's called Just As I Am, and I think it's time to get into some sea change, brother. 
So, Beck. Everyone knows Beck, right? Yeah, I feel like I feel he's, like especially dude. especially people in our you know around our age group, you know Beck's been been around since any of us gave a shit about music. L- let me tell you why uh, he is still super relevant right now. Uh, so as you know, I'm, I'm assuming you know, the Lego Movie uh, just came out with a sequel, right? Yeah. Uh, Beck is the credits song. He did the song for the credits. And he te- he teamed up with the Lonely Island, as in what? Andy Samberg and those other dudes, and the other yeah. And the so they're, they're they're singing. I, th- I think I think Beck sings too, but uh, those cool. guys also sing other tracks. So there you go. Like it's kind of crazy to think about um, that that you know Beck. I mean, obviously he won, you know, he won a Grammy a, a few years back with um, with that other. Was album. that for Morning Phase? Yeah, Morning Phase. Yeah, um, so that one that that album came out in 2014. The thing about Morning Phase and Travis, um, I know you haven't listened to Sea Change, but let me tell you, Morning Phase borrowed from the feels and vibes of Sea Change. Well, can you really say that he bar like you know it's it's all back, so it's you know, but right, he, he just but, has okay, such a wide range. He, you know? he, yeah, I'll just say he uh, Beck revisited that like the feelings and yeah. the emotions and, and vibes when he did morning phase. Yeah. He's got a, he's got such a wide, um, you know, toolkit, you know, available to him as far yeah. as like, like there's, there's nothing he won't do. Cause after morning phase, he did like a rap album almost like a pop album, you know? It's yeah. His latest album is, is called colors. It came out in 2017 and yeah, dude, it's just a straight up pop album yeah which makes um, sense i yeah, mean if, if you're if you know if you're back and you just did morning phase you know yeah you mix it up a little bit yeah and so and and before morning phase um shit dude he went six years without releasing an album the album that came out before morning phase is called modern guilt an album that he did with uh danger mouse which i'm sure you've heard of danger mouse mm-hmm. uh aka brian burden um, that's another one of my favorite albums of his, Modern Guilt. Um, but yeah, so Beck's all over the place, and that's that's what makes Beck who he is. Um, I, he's one of those artists that like. So we talk about this a lot on this podcast. A lot of times, artists kind of start to like, I don't know, uh, stray away from their original sound. I guess right. Yeah. I mean, for for whatever reason, for be, because of um, record label influence uh, and pressures from record labels, or for whatever reason, and sometimes it's so much so that you don't even recognize the art, the the band, and and it's in a way that you you no longer care about them. You know, like like Kings of Leon. We've talked about them before. We did a whole episode on Kings of Leon. Beck is one of those artists, and we we talk about Spoon a lot on this uh, podcast as well as one of those uh, another one of these artists where they're constantly changing, but they're always they always remain true to who they are. Beck is Beck is one of those artists for me. Um, I feel like Sea Change is exactly that. So prior to Sea Change, you know what what put uh, Beck on the map was his. Um, album Mellow Gold, which came out in '94, that had Loser on it. Everyone knows Loser, right? Mm-hmm. Should we play some Loser? I mean, we can if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Spray paint. 
I mean, that was a fucking anthem, dude, for the early 90s, you know? Like the slacker uh, grunge culture, you know, that was coming around in the 90s. That was it, man. Yeah, and, and then, like he's, dude, like we say, I mean, that's track one on his on his first album, you know? Not his first. Technically not his first album, but his first mainstream, like, big That release. was his first big single, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you had um, Odele, which came out in 96. It had tracks like Where It's At, Devil's Haircut, The New Pollution. Dude. Dude. I love that album. So fucking good, man. We should do a full yeah. length on that maybe if we ever get around to oh, it. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, absolutely. But hey, you know what? Those three songs we're not going to be able to do because those are singles. But yeah, so Beck had already you know established himself, you know, made a name for himself by this point. And here's what goes down, dude. So right before he turned 30, his uh, girlfriend at the time, well, I'm sorry, his fiance, her name is Leigh Lemon. They had been together for nine years and she broke up with him. This was right after he finished a tour for his album Midnight Vultures. She dumps his ass and he is in a just a dark fucking place, dude. She left him for some guy in a band called Whiskey Biscuit, some L.A. band. Dude, don't even bother listening. I, I tried getting through one song from Whiskey Biscuit. Terrible. So she, <laughs> so, she fucked up. I think so. I guess it depends um, on the reasons. It doesn't but, matter. Uh, you know what, dude? Hey, maybe she's happier with Whiskey Biscuit, dude. I don't, I don't know anything about this person. Who knows? Well, let's just say but think about- he... It's she didn't she didn't uh, dump him because he had better music is what you're saying, <laughs> right, right, right. So imagine, you know, turning thirty is a big deal, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, imagine you're about to turn thirty. A girl that you've been with for nine years breaks up with you, and you find out that she's been cheating on you with this other fuckhead and and another band. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's not it's not great. I hear you. It's not great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and apparently, uh, the majority of the songs on Sea Change were written in one week's time. Wow. So you know, he just was in this headspace, and he just kind of spilled his guts on on paper, you know. Um, but then he shelved it and uh, didn't do anything with it for a few years so did he just write write lyrics basically and then never actually sat down to to compose anything is that what you're saying or, or did he actually so, write these songs like the, the melodies and everything and then shelved it i'm not sure about melodies and all that but mm -hmm. what i do know is that at the time of him writing these songs he didn't feel like it was time to share them with people yeah maybe it was just um, too personal still you know so, and I, you know, I wish I, I had done this earlier, but uh, let's let's figure out the math here. Let's figure out. So Beck is forty eight right now. He's born in nineteen seventy. So okay, that's easy. He's born in nineteen seventy. So he was approaching thirty in the year two thousand, right? Okay. So nineteen. Let's say nineteen ninety nine. That year is when all this went down. So nineteen ninety nine was when. Uh, the album Mutations came out. So this was right after the success of Odile. You know, he's got all these songs in his head. He, he's, he spits them out on paper. He wasn't ready to share it with the world. A couple years go by, and that's when we actually see this album come to fruition. So i got a quote here from him. He says here, uh, so this album was written in a short period of time, probably a couple of days. That's why it has such a mood. Uh, it's all of one time, except for a couple of songs. I always wrote more personal stuff. I just didn't think anybody wanted to hear it. Uh, I actually tried to make an album similar to this right before I did Odile, but it was a weird time for me, um, that initial wave after the first record. Um, so it just wasn't the right time, you know? So I thought that was interesting, and, and I've heard interviews with him where, like, that happens a lot with with him you know he's he's just constantly writing and he just kind of figures out the right time to release it um so let's dive into our first pick 
I'm going to play track two for us. I've got a couple clips from it. Uh, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, I'm shocked that it was never released as a single. This song is called Paper Tiger. Just like a paper tiger Torn apart by idle hands Through the helter-skelter morning Fix yourself while you still can Man, I just love the mood that this album has, you know. I feel like they knocked it out of the park, man. Well, okay, um, let me ask you let me ask you this. So like that had a different feeling to me than the opening track. Mm-hmm. The guitar sting that comes out of nowhere. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I thought that was kind of cool. And then like the, yeah, the like dude. sort of the orchestrated type moment the, that the comes string, in. Yeah. The I strings. mean, you know, that sort of that those two elements sort of give you this sort of like um like I don't know off kilter like unbalanced feeling yeah which maybe matches the lyrics I don't know what the lyrics are but if you're going through a breakup you're going up and down you know your emotions and stuff yeah and um so one thing that that I found out recently I didn't know this but uh Nigel Godrich which we all know is you know to Radiohead what uh George Martin. Fucking George Martin is to the Beatles, right? Yeah. Uh, he produced this record with Beck. Um, Around the same and, time that Hail to the Thief came out, too. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because we just we just talked about them in our last full-length episode. It's, it's fucking meant to be, dude. None of this was... I didn't do this on purpose, man. I was, I've been wanting to do Sea Change since we started this uh, podcast, man. Um, but no, it's it's great. Like, you know, Beck set out to, like, he, he wanted this record to have just a, a certain, like, feeling and vibe. And a lot of that was acoustic-based, right? And you've got these stringed instruments. You know, in in all this, these songs, his his vocals are just right there. Yeah. We've talked about that with, with a lot of the Radiohead albums. Like, it's just one thing that you notice is just uh, Tom York's vocals. Like, especially when you're listening to the record in your earbuds, you know, in headphones. Like, it just kind of jumps out at you. And it's always very uh, raw and vulnerable feeling. And I think it's such a perfect way to to share an album with songs that are so personal. Yeah, right to, show, to showcase emotions uh, related to a breakup. Yeah. But yeah, we talked about... Um, the, the vocal stuff with, with Tom York, specifically, it started with um, Exit Music for a Film on, on OK Computer, is when Nigel decided to put put his vocals like front and center in the in the mix, you know? That's kind of when yeah. it started. So, like, yeah, it's a 
it's a trick that Nigel uses, you know what I mean? And so, right. It, you know, I, you're probably right that like that was intentional, um, just to match the, the mood and the lyrics, you know, and just like, Hey, this is personal stuff here. You know, let's, let's bring those vocals up to the, up to the front so that you can feel like you're, you're having this, uh, moment with Beck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So clip two has a really cool guitar solo and that's pretty much why I want to play it. So here is clip two from paper tiger. And that's the end of the song. And you know what? I feel like I misspoke, dude. Because that was a fucking violin, like, stringed instrument solo. I mean, there was a guitar <laughs> solo, though. There was a guitar solo, but, like, man, what a killer. Like, you don't usually think about those kind of instruments as having uh, time to shine in a song for a solo. But holy shit, that was fucking cool. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the personnel listed for this record, and I don't see... Uh, like stringed instruments listed. Um, what? Well, as like uh, you know, as far as like, you know, he, he must have worked with uh, like an actual orchestra or something like that. But like yeah. the strings for track two are not credited to any one individual. Well, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, Beck's father, his name's David Campbell. He provided string arrangements. Well, it's so, that, well. I'm looking at the personnel listing, and it says David Campbell uh-huh. string string arrangement for track seven, oh, only okay. for track seven. Okay, track two. Now, interestingly enough, we talk about Nigel Godrick. He actually played the keys and provided some of the percussion on this track. Cool. Yeah, so that's one of my favorite favorite songs on this record. Um, we're gonna jump ahead here. We're gonna we're gonna skip quite a few songs. Uh, the next song I'm going to play is uh, track six. It is called End of the Day. This is one of those songs, dude. The lyrics just fucking get me, man. Like, you can totally relate. Like, even if it's not something that you've gone through yourself, these are these are lyrics that you can totally relate to, man. So, again, this is track six on the album. It is called End of the Day. Not a lot to do 
So, do you know what he's singing about? I had the lyrics pulled up while the song was playing, so I, I was reading them along with the song. Because, I mean, it's I mean, one of those things where end of the day is probably a metaphor for something. Either no, the... no, no, dude. No? All, All right. right. All I, right. Got, I got this. All right, let's hear I got it. this. Okay. Hear it. So, remember now. All these songs were... The majority of these songs were written within a couple days, you know? Yeah. All of this is literally about... His feeling, you know, like like his headspace, you know, and his day to day after being uh, dumped, you know, when he says, so the lyrics, I've seen the end of the day come too soon. Not a lot to say, not a lot to do. Um, That sounds that's that's a state of depression, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, it's 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 the whole like I. I don't want to get out of bed even, you know? Yeah. Like my day has not even started yet and it's already the end of the day, you know? The next verse, I've seen the end of the day come too late. I've seen the love you had turning into hate. Yeah, dude, he's just, he's, he's just dealing with the aftermath of this breakup. Um, and I really like the lyrics. Uh, I, I guess it's the chorus. Um, right before I faded it out, he says, it's nothing that I haven't seen before, but it still kills me like it did before. It's like, it's not like I haven't been dumped before, you know, but yeah. like going through this again, it's just as, it's just as bad as the first time around. Like it just, you know, it kills me just the same. Yeah. It's never fun. Yeah. I, I, I can't even get the fuck out of bed. I don't even know what to do with my day. Um, oh, and fuck, the day's already over. Like, the, the whole day has been wasted in my thoughts and emotions, you know? Yeah. I just love this song, and I love it because of the lyrics. Like, it's it's a pretty simple, straightforward song Other otherwise, you know? Like, there's nothing too... I like the twangy guitar, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just it's, it's another one of the songs for me, dude. So... A few things I, I thought some some quotes from uh, from a few articles I read that I really liked. Um, I've got a quote from a uh, online publication called Diffuser. Uh, this guy writes, "You know, these weren't songs by which to slit your wrists. These were dispatches from a survivor." I really like that. Hmm. Um, and then you've got an article from the Rolling Stone by. David Frick, which I am familiar with now, dude. Enough, uh, so many artists that we've covered. There's a David Frick article for them on Rolling Stone. He's one of those um, contributors and and writers. He's just he's everywhere, dude. Um, I always love what he has to say. Uh, for this uh, album, he says the clarity of his crisis has a lot to do with the naked strength of Beck's singing. For someone who started out as a teenage folk hobo, just voice and strum, 
Beck has rarely walked this far out in front of the music on his own records. And considering his eternal high school looks, he possesses a surprisingly manly tenor, a clean, deep instrument of lust and worry. And god damn, is that not fucking true, dude? Especially when you listen to this album. Well, it's that's really funny that he uh that he said um his eternal high school looks because he looks the exact same. <laughs> I know, you dude. know, over a decade later. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I got a couple more clips for for you. So hold on a, a minute. More I wanted to, to I wanted to get back. Okay, go. I wanted go to get back to the lyrics real quick because, you know, yes, like like I think you're probably right that this is literally about the day, right? Obviously, it could also be a metaphor for, for for the relationship or whatever. But like, is there any hope at the end of the song? I don't think there is, right? No, I don't. Uh, so he is like I, he's not even at the point where he he can see some light. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. that's how deep he was when he wrote these lyrics in that state of depression. You know, where it's like it's never going to yeah. get better. You know, and you know I haven't like I haven't read all of the lyrics. Like I haven't gone from track one all the way to to the last track reading all the lyrics. You know, like I don't know if there is any light in this album. Yeah, is there any? But hope? I do. You know, I do like how you know what this what this one guy was saying. At the same time, these these aren't songs by which to slit your wrists. Like, well, that's what I yes, was asking a, about because if the guy was saying, "Hey, this these are letters from a or dispatches from a survivor," that to mm-hmm. me means, "Hey, he made it out on the other end of this and is telling us yeah. that, hey, I survived. It's going to be all right." So there probably are. There's got to be some lyrics somewhere on this album that give hope. When when I read that, and and you know, being more familiar with this album than you are. I feel like what he's saying is, you know, this is an album that, like, you know, the great thing about music and about um, albums, really, um, in some cases, a lot of times you can listen to an album and find uh, parallels with what you're going through. Yeah, that's true. Like, I feel like this, you know, I feel like Sea Change is one of those albums that is a great companion for someone that's going through something like this. And yeah, it's fucking sad. It's really depressing. Um, but it's something that you can relate to. Um, and you know, it can help you help you get through it. Well, yeah, we even talked about that with, um, with Radiohead on heel to the thief with, uh, one song in particular where Tom York even said, like, I'm not even sure what this means anymore. I wrote it so long. I think it was where I ended. You begin. He's, you know, he wrote that so long yeah. ago that the meaning yeah. of the lyrics even changed for him over time. You know, so it's like if it's true for the for the people that wrote the lyrics, as far as like, hey, this is you know, it's up for interpretation. Yeah, that's sort of the beauty of music is that you know everybody can listen to the same song and and have different takeaways from it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving along. Um, I got a couple of clips for you for this one. This is track 10 on the album. It is called Sunday Sun. Sunday sun. 
I love that song, man. Yeah, what a great song. I, um, but we were just talking about hope. I, I feel like there's hope in this song because the lyrics are straight up saying, yesterday is ending Sunday sun. As in like, to me, I'm interpreting that as, you know, Sunday is the first day of the week, right? So like the yeah. week is ending, the shit that I'm going through is ending. Tomorrow, there's going to be some sun. It's the beginning of a new week. You know what I mean? That's how I'm taking it as. But like, there could be other interpretations, obviously. But I like I like the first lyric, the first verse too. He says, "Haven't got a lot to learn, and my eyes they stray again, looking for a satellite in the rays of heaven again." I feel like that's you know part of those like the grass is greener type scenarios, right? He's always looking for he's always looking to the clouds, daydreaming or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's another one of those up for interpretation lyrics but yeah and you know like that's what i read too with with um you know uh reviews of this album and, and you know people that you know around the time that this was released music journalists and whatever who are familiar very familiar with beck like uh, the thing about most of his albums prior to this is you know the lyrics were really um abstract you know, but for a lot of these songs, they're very straightforward. But yeah, like you're saying, this this is one of those that it's kind of up in the air. But but for sure, Any, dude, anytime you're singing about the sun, uh, in the positive light, yeah, the sun is rarely used to to describe depression. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if you're talking about well, the dude, sun, to me that means hey, the depression the depression is is clearing. You know, there's some sun, there's some hope. Yeah, no, but like. This is reminding me of our episode on uh, Fleet Fox's Helplessness Blues. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, man. Uh, for uh, the shrine slash an argument? Yes. When absolutely. he's singing about uh, terrible sunlight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, if, you, if you're depressed, you fucking, you know, open up your blinds and, and you are blinded by the sun. You're like, fuck, fuck all this, man. I, you know, there's nothing good about this. I'm just going to go back to bed. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, not even the sun can uh, can brighten your mood. Can yeah, can get you out of this funk. Yeah. So I don't exactly remember why I decided to do two clips for this song, but I seem to remember there being a really cool build up in this song, and I I kind of just like the way it it progresses. So here is clip two for Sunday Sun. kind of goes to shit right well yeah that's actually kind of cool because that that you know there's not much distortion in this album so the fact that he chose to end end it with some distortion is kind of interesting yeah so and and you know we're we're approaching the end of the album here um yeah dude so i don't have an outro for this episode i'm going to instead play uh one of my favorite songs on this record from start to finish as our outro so yeah, that's it for today. Uh, I I feel like Beck might be one of the only artists, definitely one of the only artists I can think of that's done something like this. You know, like with the path that he took um, from loser and from that fame on, deciding to steer away and and go this path 
like even just for one album like th- to be to share something like this with his fans cuz he had fans at this point you know he's definitely a unique um artist you know i feel like he reinvents himself all the time the fact that he you know it's funny that he even said like hey i had so- i've written songs like this before i just didn't feel like the right time to to re- to release them like you know yeah maybe that's because he just felt like it wasn't the right time with with his like f- where he had reached with his fame and stuff like you know if this was his second album you know the, f- the fans may not have uh embraced it as much you know because like yeah you know Odile and, and mellow gold well shit there's four albums that came out before this one but yeah um yeah. you know actually but that's what he said he said that he had written songs like this back then right in that era of Beck, like the Odile and Mellow Gold era, he had some songs yep. like this. Yeah, so that doesn't make more sense. That like you know, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to isolate some of your fans. Like you know, yeah. So um, there's an album of his called One Foot in the Grave, uh, and I've listened to this album all the way through. One Foot in the Grave is you know kind of like what um, David Frick was saying, you know. This is Beck here, you know. He he was this teenage folk hobo, just voice and strum. Just voice and strum is one foot in the grave. Um, it's pretty much just nothing but acoustic. You know, there's there's maybe some drum beats here and there, but nothing nothing crazy. There is a song on One Foot in the Grave called "It's All in Your Mind." It's uh, actually on the Japanese bonus uh, release. It's track 17 on the album. Uh, it's All in Your Mind shows up on Sea Change. So this was a, a song that, that, that was released back in 1994, and he, he puts it on Sea uh, Change. It's track 7 on the album. Oh, so he um, had done he had done quite a bit of acoustic stuff then in yeah, between. Yeah, dude. Okay. You know, like he said, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I have all these songs, you know, I can, sometimes I'll kind of hang on to them for a while. You know, if it's not the right time, but like, yeah, he he was doing this like more raw acoustic stuff even earlier on. You know, even in the early nineties, um, it's a different recording. Like, like, like the two the two versions of "It's All in Your Mind." It's it's different on Sea Change, um, but very similar. And yeah, that's Beck's just one of those artists um, that just you know he'll just do what he wants to do. And yeah, you know, I was thinking that. I was thinking about that right as you were as you were saying that, like trying to classify Beck, you know, as a like I would I would put him in the class of like his music is uh, art. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's 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 art, and he's a he's an artist more so maybe than a musician. And that's how he can like the way he approaches music is like no matter what the genre, no matter what the instrument like those are all his 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 tools you know it doesn't matter he's not a you can't put him in one camp there's just no way no dude and you know what okay i'm just gonna say this man beck's one of the the only artists that i am totally okay with when he raps (laughs) it's never that great (laughs) yeah it's never that great and even in his latest album colors there's a few songs where he raps on it it's not great, but I still sure. like it because it's Beck. But that's what I'm talking and, about. Like, you know, like good. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's fucking cool that he fucking does it, man. Whenever he feels inspired, he raps. And that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Travis, have you listened to Colors? No. I think I heard the single uh, and he started rapping and I, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't go beyond it. Well, um, listen to it dude it's it's worth listening to it's 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 an album that makes you feel good you know it's it's just a great album it, it's back doing what he does and he set out to make a pop album and that's what it is and it's great man it's it's just, it's it's just a, a solid record um and morning phase like we mentioned if you really enjoyed uh what we played for you today for uh for sea change you'll really like morning phase um yeah dude so that's it for today. So again, our outro is just going to be more from this album because uh, there's another song on on here uh, called "Little One." It's the second from the last track. I think it might be my favorite one on the album. 
and I tried to like piece together, you know, I, I tried to make a couple clips from it and I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty much playing the whole song. It's kind of, it's kind of long. It's, it's like, it's a good four and a half minutes, you know? So I didn't want to just play a full song and get back into it, you know? So I figured we could just play us out with this song. Um, so check back next week. We will have our sidetrack episode up. Um, we'll, we'll find an artist to go along with, uh, with this album, you know, with, with these vibes. Uh, and then we'll be back in a month. I'm sorry, two weeks from now, we'll have our, our next full length album. <laughs> I always say, um, dude, our next full length episode is going to be Radioheads in rainbows. That'll be our last Radiohead episode for a while. And we've got ourselves a guest, uh, for once. Did you it's just say time. what I think you just said? We've got ourselves a guest. Wow. Yeah, dude. And it's not it's not some it's not part of, it's not part of the fam, you know. Like we we had our brother on for episode 4, I believe. Yeah, let's just uh, let's just put it that Foo way. Fighters. Let's put it that way. This is our first guest that's not a family member. Yeah. So it's a pretty big yeah. deal. Pretty big deal. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. So uh a good friend of uh Travis's um I don't know the guy, but you know what? I feel like he's already a friend. <laughs> oh yeah, his name's Nathan. He was uh, in Travis's band. No, no, no. Look, I was no, in I'm sorry. his, not band. your band. Yeah, yeah, you were in his band. He uh, he was the front man for a a band called Grass Fight, uh, and I I played guitar with him for like a flash in the pan. It was like you know three four months, but um, you know I would say that. More so than anything, he is the biggest Radiohead fan uh, that you perhaps will ever meet. Dude, he, yeah. um, So we did like a little test recording uh, last week with him just to make sure we could get it all. So Nathan's in California. I'm I'm up here in Washington. Travis is in Texas. So we we had to try to figure out how to make this work because all three of us are in different locations. Um, And dude, he was just dropping knowledge, man. Just dropping knowledge. Yeah, um, he proved he proved instantly um, that that he knows more than Radiohead, more about Radiohead than we do. Um, yeah, vast amounts yeah, and, more. And, and you had reached out to him when we first started this podcast. Yeah, yeah. and he said, and he was I, like, "Dude, he, let me. I want to get on. Let me. You know, let me join you guys for your Anne Rainbows episode." Yeah, he he said either put me on for the OK Cupid shit for the OK, <laughs> OK Cupid. <laughs> For OK Computer or In Rainbows, and we had already recorded the OK Computer record, so so yeah. it's going to be a great way to end our our Radiohead Fest um, with In Rainbows with a guest who knows a shit ton about Radiohead, and we're going to go track by track on this album, which is something we've never done before. So it's going to be a lengthy episode, but but yeah, yeah, it's, I'm excited, you know, man. We're going to dive right into it, and it's going to be a good time. But in yep. between uh, this episode and that one, well, we will, of course, have a sidetrack episode. Um, Q, do you know what it's going to be yet? I do, but I'm not going to share that knowledge, bro. Okay. I'm not spilling beans, man. I, I, I'm all about keeping the beans where they are, you know? Where would that be, exactly? I don't know. where. In, in the place that you keep your beans. <laughs> <laughs> in the pantry? Know. Yeah. Do you guys All have right, a bean so, uh, jar or something? I don't have a bean jar, okay? All right. But I'm not spilling them, dude. So, as always, hop onto our website, nofillerpodcast.com. There we've got our show notes for each episode. Uh, you can stream each episode directly from our website. We've got our SoundCloud players on there. Um, you can even find us on uh, pretty much any podcast app that you got we should be on there i hope um and uh again we're gonna wrap this episode up with um another song from sea change uh we're gonna play it in its entirety um again it's called little one uh maybe my favorite song on the album so until next time my name's quentin my name is travis
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 